having that addictive uh, relationship with different things has, has been there for a lot of things. You know, drugs, sex, uh, gambling. You know, if there was a chance to really lose myself in, in a, and have a kind of toxic relationship with something, then uh, there would, some way or other, I would kind of find myself there as well. You know, alcohol as well at, 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 for one stage of my life as well. Uh, I think if I look at myself now, I can see that I've always been a very full-on person. So whatever I've done, uh, whether that's for good or bad, I've pretty much just all in. Hello and welcome to the Mind Detox Podcast. I'm your host, Sandy Newbigging. For today's episode, I share an interview from one of my recent online club meetings, which you can start your 30-day free trial of at minddetox.club. We talked to my friend Mahadeva about his difficulties with addictions, especially gambling. He talks about why he started gambling at such a young age, how it was his secret shame he carried for years, and what he personally did to overcome it. Now, I appreciate that this is a sensitive subject, And in this episode, we are not saying what he did will be the answer for everyone, or we're not making any medical recommendations. So please do seek professional help if you're dealing with something similar. Okay, so with the disclaimer done, let's meet Mahadeva and hear the highs and lows of his story of being against the odds and how he healed his unhealthy habits by betting on himself. So hello and welcome to this uh, chit chat uh, with myself, Sandy, and uh, today we're following on in this series that we're calling Overcoming, where I've been having chit chats with people I find very inspirational who've overcome big things in their life, and I think we can all be inspired by their stories, uh, relate to some of the things they share, and uh, really be helped by some of the strategies they adopted when overcoming whatever they overcame. And this time, we're going to have a chat with... uh, my good friend Mahadeva, also known as Steve. Hello. Hello. Good and, evening. Uh, we we go back a while. We we lived together for a while. We did. Yes. We both survived each other. <laughs> just about. And I was even more annoying then because I just learned to ascend, uh, start the meditation. So I was still finding my feet with uh, all that stuff. And uh, you're very patient with me. So so publicly, let me thank you for that patience. It's a pleasure. Um, <laughs> no problem at all. <laughs> and I'm totally, a total pleasure. The, the thing is, for what I saw in you from the very beginning was that you just had such a fire and such a commitment. And no matter what obstacles were there, you just found like a rhinoceros with his head down. You just went forward, you know, bashing obstacles out of the way. And, and, and that's a great quality. Uh, I'll, take, I'll take that one. Um, but uh, I'm sure I've destructed a few things along the way accidentally, but I didn't mean to at all. And um, I'm glad that our friendship is still intact. And, and it, you know, we've, we go back a long way and, and I'm really inspired by you. And when I was putting together this, I, I reached out to you and I was actually surprised to hear that you would had uh, a gambling addiction mm-hmm. that I didn't even know about. So I'm, I'm equally as interested as everyone else to find out more about this. So 
Can we start at the beginning? You know, what happened? Sure. <clears throat> well, if I can look back in my life, then having that addictive uh, relationship with different things has, has been there for a lot of things. You know, drugs, sex, uh, gambling. You know, if there was a chance to really lose myself in and and have a kind of toxic relationship with something, then uh, there would, some way or other, I would kind of find myself there as well. You know, alcohol as well at, 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 for one stage of my life as well. Uh, I think if I look at myself now, I can see that I've always been a very full-on person. So, whatever I've done, uh, whether that's for good or bad, I've pretty much just all in. Uh, and it's a, my, my first memory of having a bet, you know, going like making like, you know, gambling was probably when I was about 16 or something like that. And uh, just being excited by it, being excited, partly being excited by the idea of something secret, like almost like a superpower, being able to, uh, you know, generate money. It created a sense of excitement. I was, you know, when I was, uh, in my, in my kind of teens, 16, 17, 18, then I didn't probably feel I had a particularly exciting life. I just had an ordinary life. You know, I grew up in a, a council estate in a town just outside of Glasgow in Scotland. Uh, I went to, you know, a, a normal secondary, you know, school. I didn't do particularly great, didn't do particularly bad, you know, better than average. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was no real kind of excitement. Uh, around or, or magic in my life and uh, this seemed to be a little bit dangerous which mm-hmm. was maybe part of the attraction the fact it was illegal the fact I was 16 when you, sh- you can- they're not allowed to go and do it until you're 18 that was part of the thrill as well going in and are they going to ask my age are they going to ask for an ID all that uh, and of course the, 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 the attraction of, of maybe getting some quick money you know, and, uh, you know, having hundreds of pounds or, or what have you. So and that was a long time. That was when hundreds of pounds was actually quite something substantial. I mean, you're 16 as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so that was kind of always there. And uh, I think it got to the point probably as I went through my 20s, then I'd, I'd you know, I doubled on a whole bunch of different stuff, you know, kind of like alcohol, drugs, all different things that many, many young people do. And a lot of the experiences that I were, it's not like this terrible thing. You know, I did a lot of drugs because I felt fantastic. You know, it wasn't just this dreadful experience. I felt better because I was doing them than I did a lot of the time when I wasn't. You know, it was a way I can see now it, 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 made, it, it brought me a, a level of peace or a level of connection with others that I didn't feel. Uh, you know, either because I didn't feel I had enough to offer the others, or uh, I just I just felt separate and I felt awkward. And I, you know, as I went through a lot of my twenties, I, I suffered a lot of, you know, with depression. I didn't know that's what it was. I just that's just how I lived my life. You know, in these, you know, eight, nine, ten month cycles of you know feeling good, and then I would begin to notice I'd feel a little bit worse. And I'd been there so many times before, I just knew, well, there goes the next six or seven months. And I would go down and down and down. And I knew at some point I would bottom out. And then I would become aware, oh, I'm going back up again. And 
and that cycle that cycle went on for years, I mean years and years and years. Uh, where I'd be very inward and quite self-destructive, uh, and so the 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 where the specific gambling thing came, it came, you know, it, it made me feel alive. It made me feel uh, there was an excitement. There was a sense of hope as well. Maybe the big win is going to come, and I'm going to get you know win a bunch of money. Uh, there was a sense of fear around, you know, people who might find it, like girlfriends, for example, you know, people who have been in relationships with, with for years, you know, and who didn't know this. This was like my big shame. But it was something that I just kept doing and there was no sense of, like, self-awareness. There was no sense of me seeing it for, for something almost external to myself. I was just in it. It was just in all this kind of stuff. Mm. And then I think I got to a point in my life where probably in my late 20s or maybe around about 30 or so, where uh, life changed. I had a couple of experiences that, that really made me look at my life and, mm. and open up to a different way of experiencing life. For me, life had been very much black and white. If you can see it, touch it, feel it, it's real. Mm-hmm. And everything else was like hocus pocus or superstitious nonsense. And uh, there's some some I had some experiences in life where that that viewpoint and my reality of what I'd experienced just were completely at odds. And so this sense of who I was began to unravel, just, you know, and. I began to open up to maybe to explore it. At that time, it was called alternative therapies, you know, like different, more holistic way of looking at my life, you know, in terms of uh, what I ate, uh, started doing yoga, and became really interested in, like, the philosophy around yoga, things like that. And I began to, as as I began to kind of pursue this beginning of trying to live my life with a little bit more intention, and uh, then the things that were really out of harmony with that really began to become very, 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 very clear. So I had, I was, in this, this exploration of who am I, what's my, 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 what, what's my life about, that became the single driving thing for me. It became the most thrilling investigation really it was just the most exciting thing i started to meet people who i never would have allowed myself to meet in the past uh people i I would have considered to be like you know out there or just weird uh but they were saying things that 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 made sense to me you know it was a different vocabulary it was a different way of looking at things and so this became this really big thing and i started going to workshops i started uh you know, looking at different ways. How can I, what can I do in my life? And But I had this very, very dark, to me, dark and shameful behavior that was that was still there. So these were overlapping. Yeah, yeah. So I would, you know, I would maybe be, you know, on, on a workshop at the weekend. I remember one case actually being on a workshop and the schedule was, uh, you know, the lunch will be like at half past 12. And in the morning, I had I'd gone to, before going to the workshop, I was going through the, the racing newspaper, which I used to get when the news agent opened up. 
at half past six in the morning, what's my bets for the day on the horses? And so I got these in and we were in the workshop and it was like this, it was quarter past 12 and it doesn't look like it's going to finish for lunch because I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss this bet because this might be the one that, that wins and that'll really screw everything up. And so just this tension and then going out and out of the meeting and there was a phone box outside the where the venue was and go straight to it and just telling a lie about, oh, I've got to go and phone my mum or something or other, but going, you know, put £10 on this, put £20 on that, put da, 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 da. and the sense of relief, but also looking on my shoulder that this is my, this is my secret shame, mm. you know? And, and so you get used to, I'm sure anyone on the call who's experienced any of addiction, you get used to lying. You get used to lying to yourself. You get used to, used to lying to the people around you. I mean, I remember once going into Edinburgh with with money to buy Christmas presents. Uh, so I had £120, which probably nowadays would be like like four or £500 worth of cash. And by within like an hour, I had like £5 left. And it was before Christmas. And I had no money. And it had all gone in the bookmaker. And then going home to my girlfriend and, oh, I was just coming. I took it out of my pocket and the wind came and it went down the street. No way. Yeah, way, yeah. You just, it's a it's, terrible it's, lie. It's a terrible lie, yeah. And, you know, it, it was a terrible lie. But when you're controlled by a habit like that, then you're, you're not in control. You know, the, you're like a puppet, you know. And there's, there was so much judgment, so much guilt, so much sense of how would how much would other people judge me if they knew this thing, and it fed into an underlying belief I had, I'd had for a lot of my life. You know that I'm, I'm not worthy of love. If people really knew who I was, or who I thought I was, obviously, I, then they would reject me. You know, they would just because I rejected those parts of me. <laughs> so why would anyone else have any other? Uh, you know, any other feelings towards me than, than repulsion, because that's how I felt about myself. I felt repulsed. I felt dirty. I felt shamed by this. And, but the interesting thing was, was, you know, I, so I had this tension all the time. There was people who I could be, when I was at work, you know, the people I worked with, it was different. I could, they knew I, I would bet on the horses and, because they did the same thing. It was, it was because that part of me, that kind of more spiritual side, if you like, you know, that was, I could just be who I'd always been there. You know, I wasn't, although they recognized me changing and becoming more gentle and, you know, a lot easier person to be around, uh, less black and white, less rigid than, than how I was. I, you know, it was still socially acceptable, if you like, and that, yeah, I'd have it a bit. And it was funny because the way it finished was, I didn't realize that, I say I had this tension inside of me, but I just, and I never, I I never, I never did anything to stop gambling. The gambling stopped within me, or the need, or the the whatever the the reward I some level I felt I was getting. I remember I I started like meditating and brought all that focus into into the meditation. And so many things changed in myself. You know, I felt I felt better in my own skin. I I went from 
hating myself to tolerating myself to being okay about myself to you know eventually you know feeling love uh, for myself uh, and for the world around me and allowing that world to to touch me with love to kind of it was okay to to be appreciated it was okay to 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 feel closeness mm-hmm. um, and it was amazing I was at work and I, in the work sometimes there was a TV on I, I used to work with young people in care I used to work in a residential children's home uh, and you know it was, a, it was, it was their home so it was set up as a home and the TV you know some of them were at school uh, or at work and uh, the TV was on and one of the, the guys who worked with he said oh what have you got on this race have you got anything on this afternoon? Are you betting on any of these horse races this afternoon? And I kind of stopped and I was, I don't actually. And I, I thought, when was, I, I just, when was the last time I did that? I mean, I, you're talking to someone who bet thousands, literally thousands of pounds a week for years. And I didn't even notice that I'd stopped doing it until someone pointed out there was horses going around in a circle on the TV. And I, I, I said, this was, this was amazing. Because this was something I'd, I'd pushed down and I was like, what am I going to do about it? This was this thing that was, it seemed almost, I, I would never get beyond this, that, okay, I would maybe try and have a more intentional or spiritual life, but maybe this would, I would just have to accept that this would always be there. That this was like some kind of beast I would always have to feed, or it was some kind of beast that would maybe feed off me. However, I felt at any given point in time, and it was amazing. And what, and you know, I don't know the full ins and outs of it, but what I do know is that you know we do things because, at some level, we get some reward, we get some verification, or we get some something, some confirmation back. You know, and I think even if it's a destructive pattern it's 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 reinforcing you you're only worthy of things that are destructive you know and so uh, this behavior you know perhaps in some way was just a, a way of uh, although it made me feel alive and on the edge it also was a way of of continually undermining myself it was a way of just reinforcing how how bad i felt about myself you know and so when that underlying belief you know, didn't need to be reinforced. When that started to heal, then the you know the outward expression of that, the behaviour of that, began just like it just disappeared. You know, mm-hmm. it just it wasn't it wasn't there again. I find it really interesting what you're saying here because I want I want us to dive more deeply a little bit later in our conversation about sure. how you over overcame this. But what I'm picking up on so far was I I never you know I'm surprised by how much. Of a, of a secret shame that you carried for so long. Mm. And I also find interesting how you said that you were lying to other people because you were lying to yourself, because that's something that we heard recently with a similar conversation with Ashani. She said that she right. created this kind of <laughs> lying thing uh, as well. Right. And I wonder if it's like a, a common thread that kind of ties these sorts of, of things uh, together. Yeah, I mean, uh, quite possibly. I think, you know, being able to look at things as they are, and accept them is is difficult. You know, it can be really really challenging. It's amazing, an amazing step because it's it's funny. You know, I find I came to a point where 
I look back at my life and I looked at all of this, the, the, the moments that were, you know, you could say were like a disaster <laughs> or were destructive or were, relate, you know, conversations or things happened in relationships or, you know, all the things that you would do that about. And I looked at all of those, those events and there was always one person at the scene of the crime. <laughs> that was me. I was always there. You know, it's like, you know, you look at for a good detective looks for clues and is there, a, is there something in common all these things have? And all those things have, all they had was, was my fingerprints right over them, you know? Uh, and so it's easy to point on the outside. Oh, it was then, or it's the government. Oh, it's because of some circumstance. Oh, it's because of my parents. Oh, it's because of whoever. You know, it's easy to to, to do that, and and the world encourages that. You know, if we look at our media, we look at you know popular culture. It's all pointing on the outside, you know, and getting your getting your revenge or getting even or you know all this kind of type of stuff. Whereas I think you know probably. It's the same for a lot of people, or maybe even you know most people on this call. There's a point where you go, "This is this is my mess," you know. This is I've got to stop doing that. I've told myself a whole bunch of tales that have I have believed have made me feel better, but I need to get out of this. I need to this, the 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 kind of necessity to change. Is greater than the comfort of staying where you are, you know. This and and that point is like for me, it was right. This this is mine. This is mine. I need to take full ownership of this. I need to say sorry for the for the where I need to say sorry. I need to forgive, you know, where where forgiveness may be nice to be heard by someone else. And so, uh, you know, I had to kind of do that. And the main person I had to say sorry for and forgive was was this this fella right here. You're you're taking my next question out of my mouth, but like I, I do feel I need to talk to that person who might be listening to this right now, who might be at that point where they realise their fingerprints are all over the place. <laughs> and how? What would you say to them so they don't get uh, downward spiralling and self violent about in that moment? <clears throat> what what sort of, what advice could you give to them? Well, I think we're just asleep until we begin to wake up. You know, if you did something in your dream. If you wake up in the dream and you've done something from you wake up from your sleep, you know your sleep, and you remember your dream and you've done something, you don't feel bad about what happened in your dream because it was you weren't in control of it. It was just something you were aware of, and you know you you were almost just you were incapable of of really having any real influence on what was happening. Mm-hmm. And so that was in the dream, and and for me that was that was a big a big thing was to was to realize I, you know if i knowing what i know now i would never do what i did or i would have changed situations or i would have you know i mean now i can ultimately now i can see the perfection in every part of, of life but at that point it was the most the most compelling thing i had to do was be compassionate towards myself was to say you know i've screwed up okay i've i've, I've but i'm here Whatever it is, I'm here right now and I'm aware. And it's 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 not so much about what what's done. It's about you know with this whatever awareness I can muster in this moment, how do I want the rest of this to be? 
what, what's the rest of this? Because this story's not finished. This story had, like any good movie, you know, it can it can have a very dramatic or a very unexpected, you know, early early part. But a good plot twist or a good change in the is always is always more interesting. Uh, this story's not finished. So how how do I how do I want it to to carry on? And one of the things I had to do was just say, give myself that a little bit of, it's okay, you know, you, you messed up. Okay, is there anything I need to do about this now? Who, who, who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to talk to, as I said, just to say, like, I'm really, I'm really sorry. And that was big, you know. So did you actually have these conversations? You actually... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had conversations with, with some people who, I remember one ex-girlfriend in particular kind of you know it was uh it, it was no there was nothing you know nothing bad but there was things within the relationship that I, I just wanted to say look I'm I can see now how that impacted on you uh, and also there was stuff that you know I'd experienced from her that was less unpleasant in you know the relationship and and it was just to basically say look you know See, I see now. Um, you know, I just want to say I'm sorry if there was any, you know, any hurt at that time or anything carried on, uh, and also just to let you know that you know I don't want you to feel bad about anything you may have, you feel may feel of you've said or done to me. Uh, and that was a kind of great. It, it felt good because not just the dynamic at that particular point, and you know, well, there was nothing after that. It was she had her life, and I had my life, but it just felt. I feel that sense of taking responsibility and like, I'm not just a, I'm not like a, just a victim to the tides when the wind's blowing everywhere. It was like, actually, you know, I, I've, I've got a say in, in this life. You know, there's, there's a lot of life, a lot, you know, a lot of big things in life we have no control over. Absolutely. But there are parts of the script where we get to put in our own lines. There are, there are things that we can make choices over. And so for me, the balance, you know, the kind of journey, if you like, since that whole point is, and, and continues to now is, you know, how can I bring whatever characteristics I want my life to have and the impact my life to have, the things I can control, how do I want those to be, you know? Uh, and at the same time, accept the things that I can change, but also accept I may have an intention, but that intention might, it might turn out differently, you know, because how it interfaces with life, it might be different. And just to kind of go with that. So one of the big things that hit, hit, struck me earlier was when you talked about when you, in that gambling, it was like almost like a secret shame that you mm-hmm. carried with you for many years. Like, yeah. a little secret. It said, you said that, I think you said your family needs to feel dirty. There was guilt there. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that what you're talking about right now is how to, you know, simple ways to actually work to heal that. Mm-hmm that shame, that guilt, that sense that oh, I've done something wrong. And you're saying one of the things is to recognize, hey, I was asleep in the dream. <laughs> and that can start to help to reduce the shame and also actually actively see, saying sorry, the simple act of saying sorry and, and taking responsibility for anything you might have done. And you say that can actually help someone heal shame as opposed to just make them feel more shameful. I'm for, curious if yeah. you can talk a bit more about that. Yeah, well, for me, it, it, it certainly did. You know, to hear to hear the words back from someone who I felt I can never show my face to them because it was my judgment of my 
of me mm-hmm. for them to say oh, it's okay or oh that's not how I experienced it it's like what you know I never experienced you that way really you know, that, that's that's like that's powerful because it's like you've got your own mask you know getting getting pulled away mm-hmm. you know the filter that you look through if, oh if I'm wrong about that then what else am I judging wrongly uh, so yeah I think you know Talking, you know, the thing about anything that's in the dark is just bringing it out. You know, talking is really important. It's really important, whatever it's about, you know, and, and anything that we feel out of out of control with or that or we're controlled by. And there's a lot, you know, you, I mean, you, if, if you look at the last year and a half, for example, you say, how have people coped with isolation? How have people coped with, you know, perhaps economic pressures how people cope with fear you know justified or unjustified how you know how have people cope with that and they cope with it in all kinds of ways that that aren't necessarily healthy you know by going up you know you put on tv it's so many adverts you know go for the bingo go for the betting go for the you know or shopping or you know just some compulsive behavior that that fills a place that would have maybe I'll stop and seeing what's actually there. You know, keeps the mind busy, keeps them keeps the mind occupied. So it takes a lot of courage to move beyond that. And you know, fortunately there are there are groups around, you know, for many of support for lots, you know, for people and different approaches for people who have addiction. But ultimately the, the biggest addiction is really to the you know this idea that this idea that we are the sum total of our behaviours or the sum total of the thoughts in our head, you know, the, the the mind is the thing that controls. And that, that's not always an easy thing to to move beyond. I mean, it's easy when it's easy, but up to the point it becomes easy, it can seem completely challenging and scary. And, and that, I mean, that's the beauty of what you're doing here, what everyone who's on this call is here, there to be, you know, like, like guides, for the people who are ready to, to move to a different to a different experience. And a big part of that for certainly for me was just to be able to to speak. You know, just to be able to to say, I mean I'm very I consider myself extremely fortunate because I didn't do anything to stop that addictive, that compulsive behavior. It was the the part of me that felt nourished by that behavior or the part of me what I now see would be, you know, downward or negative beliefs and, and attitudes towards myself. The part of that that was getting fed by that is that part just was fed with love and healed, you know, by an experience of a peace on the inside. Then it was that bit, if you like, if it was looking for a different kind of nourishment and that nourishment was something that was 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 more wholesome, you know, was more compassionate, was more connected it wasn't about you know what's mine and what's my secret it's it's for me i try and live my life as most as possible just to be completely open you know whatever whatever any experiences i've, I've had it's just well how can i use this how does how can this be used just mm-hmm. to know let someone know that you know what you can actually transcend this you know you can actually rise above and beyond any limitation that you think that, that you have 
But it sounds to me that although you're very humble in saying you did nothing about it, you, you did because you, you did start making different choices. You started yeah. going to workshops instead, instead of bars watching the horses, for example. <laughs> you, you started meditating uh, regularly and investing time in, in, in your piece. So, you know, I, I think, yeah. you know, you did, you did do so. It's very humble of you to say that. But, um, <clears throat> well, thank you very much. Um, I found this chat, sorry, I found this chat very inspiring so far. Um, you've come a long way to get to get back to here really is what I'm hearing as well. You know, and um, we kind of go around the houses to get back to our, our real self. And um, what is it like these days living, knowing um, who you really are more and more each day? It's fun. It's interesting. It's uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, talking about that sense of missing the point of life. Is that now there's there's very little even attention on what my experience of life is. I'm just I'm just living life, or it feels like you know life is living with me or through me, and uh, it's 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 easy, it's peaceful, it's fun, it's alive, it's uh, yeah I'm I'm outrageously content, you know it's. Uh, it's one of those things. Literally, if I drop dead tomorrow, which I hope I don't, uh, then you know I would I would go. That was that was well worth it. You know, all of that stuff to to, to experience this. And the thing is, that experience never it never finishes. You know, it's funny. I was talking to someone uh, today actually, and I said, you know, I, I hope to hope to die young at a very old age. And it feels that that kind of I just I just want to get my teeth into life and and bring as much of me to it as possible and, and really, and really engage it. And, uh, and to be, it's more of an experience of being quite carefree, you know, as, as kids, then, or you see children playing, they just, they just play just because they're, they're, they're playing. They don't play. There's no rules. There's no winning. There's no, you just play because you can play. And it's, there's that, that sense of carefreeness is something that, has 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 grown in me, and again, not from looking for it, but it's just there. It's like, yeah, whatever, you know. It just, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm less careful, you know. And and I'm I'm and I'm, I don't I don't really care about, you know, any bits of me that might that might be you know less than ideal. You know, I'm, I can be a stubborn so and so at times. You know, ask ask my wife; she'll tell you. You know, but there's 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 all these bits in my character. There's different. It's just like that's just part of who I am. It's just part of who's who's showing up, and I don't have any sense that my job is to somehow fix me. It's just to experience me. You know, with all the bits that uh, that are there, they're all you know they're all there from for whatever reason. They're all showing up, and it's it's just to experience my own flavor and not hold back on that flavor. Just to this is me. Here I am. Life, you know. Let's play. That's that's that. And I was a million miles from that. A million miles from that. I mean, I remember when when I did a long meditation. Uh, it was like a, a, a months long, you know, meditation course. And it was in Canada. I put about my wife actually. Uh, she was on the same course, and uh, I remember in a meeting I used to hear all these people talking about you know 
being playful and, and I'd lost all that. I'd got so serious. And I remember literally standing up in a meeting with like 40 people crying, oh, you know, I've, like, I've forgotten how to do that. You know, please help me. Please help me remember because I'd got myself in so many boxes and I got myself with this, this fear around this thing that I saw so precious, you know, being one with God, fulfilling my life potential, just, you know, this, this magic thing I knew was possible. That what if I screw this up? I mean, what if I, what if I screw this up? This most amazing thing, I can get it wrong. If I get it wrong, then what, what's going to happen? You know, so as I went into this more spiritual, you know, way of trying to kind of approach to my life, it was almost like the stakes or the level of fear that I would might mess things up kind of almost grew until it, until it, of course, fell away as, as well as all things that are not true do, you know, for focusing on what is true. Uh, so I was like, you know, 10 million miles from this experience of just, yeah, whatever, I'm just, I'm, I'm experiencing, I'm dancing with life, you know, that's what our life is dancing with them, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. But it's like a more playful, carefree, uh, and I can see, as I said earlier, I can see, you know, if I look back at all that different, you know, paths that all of it was, all of it was needed to, to bring me right here, right now, to be sitting, you know, with, with everyone, everyone in this moment. I've got to ask on behalf of the person that might be about to throw their laptop or phone across the room with the question, but how, but how, that sounds so good, but how, what is the number one fundamental thing you would say someone needs to discover in order to be able to live this kind of life you're describing? You need to find the right practice and the most importantly, the right guidance. You need to, you need to listen to those who have walked before. There are so many things we can do. I mean, I, I tried a lot of different, you know, approaches to self-development or uh, self-improvement or personal growth, whatever you want, however you want, a meditation, however you want to, you know, label it. And there were so many things I was so hopeful about doing that uh, they just fell short, you know, they just or didn't quite resonate. Find the thing that you have confidence in and the people you have confidence in, because you know any any practice is only as good as the as the instruction you know you, you can get. And I remember for me, I'm you know spending time in India, meeting and being in, around some amazing teachers, amazing, just right in the Himalayas and different parts of it. You know, just kind of really earnestly seeking. You know, and of course, where is it? Where is it? Who's going to fight? Where are they going to be? They're going to be in the Himalayas. They're going to be in India. Of course, that's obviously where they have to be, I, I thought. So off I was, you know, into the, the hills and, you know, the Himalayas and Nepal or around India and, and things like that and meeting some amazing, amazing people. And one of the things that I, I was a point where I stopped looking at the people, the, the, the teachers or the gurus, whatever, and I started looking at who was around them. And I was like, they're not so amazing. They don't seem to have at all what this person's got. This person undoubtedly has an amazing presence, amazing experience, but the people are in about. So are they are they really able to can 
allow other people to experience that? Am I just sitting close to someone else's fire and it feels really, really good? I don't want to do that. I don't want to, feel, you know, spend, you know, once a year go to India, sit in front of someone else's fire and come home and start feeling cold and cold and cold. I, I, I want my own fire. I want something that's... And so I suppose that took me a route where I got to an experience where, you know, I met my teacher, but the thing that convinced me was the was the people around about that person. I saw in the people who were in the room, I, I want what they've got, not just what that person's got. I want, I want what I can clearly see that they've got. And if they're experiencing that and talking to people, you know, and getting a sense of where their lives were as well, it's like, right, if, if this practice or this approach to, you know, to an inward journey can bring that, this guidance can give these these people that experience, then I, I have to feel confident. It was kind of very logical. I have to, I, I have confidence that it can do it for me because I'm ready. I'm beyond ready. I've been all around the world ready, you know, <laughs> trying, to, trying to find that, trying to, to get that because I knew that, I couldn't do this on my own. I, I couldn't do this on my own. And, and then at that point, it then becomes just, okay, what do I bring to the table then? Because we find, and, I, and you know, I'm con- very content with what I do and obviously you do as well, but there are, you know, there'll be other approaches. There's, there's lots of different, or several ways back home, back to the real experience of who we are. And when you find one of those, an authentic practice or an authentic teaching that can allow you to experience that fullness at that point the only thing it's asked of us then is commitment commitment to do it and the humility to to stay open and the patience to allow allow life to to work its magic through us you know it's about at that point it becomes a bit letting go of the control you know having that willingness and just okay this is a it's, it's a process you often use the analogy of you know like a like in the garden, you know, so you may have, you know, and below the ground, there's a little, you know, there's a little bulb and maybe somewhere else in the garden, there's a little bulb, a little shoot that's just starting to come up through the, the, the soil. And then there's another one that's maybe a few inches tall, you know, that's just on its way. There's another one, another flower, its bulb is, it's, it's, it's top is still closed. And there's another flower that's in, that's in full bloom. Who's the best? It's a ridiculous question. None of them are the best. They're all ex- they're all evolving exactly at the right time in their own way and at their own stage. And if you take away the comparison or any idea, I should be they should be somewhere where they are. You know, is this little one that's just coming out of the ground? Is it is it any less than the one that's blooming? Is it any any more than the one that's yet to to start coming up? No, and, and we're the same. We're just like you know, the flowers in the garden, in life's garden, really, and will bloom in their own way, in their own time. And that's already built into us. You know, our job is just to not be impatient and go, well, I want to be the flower. I want to be, actually, right now, you just have to be a little bulb, bulb you know, sitting comfortably and cosily under the ground. That's what, that's what life wants from you in this particular moment. And that acceptance, because... In acceptance, there's presence, and in presence, there's magic. You know, the experience that we want to change is is precisely there because it's the experience that's perfectly gift wrapped for us to experience in this in this particular moment. Wow, 
acceptance is presence and presence is magic. That's a beautiful uh, summary at the end there. Um, I, I couldn't agree more personally. And, it, and these chats are not so that I agree with you all the time, but I do actually agree you know, <laughs> um, with you on, on finding a path and, and, and looking at the people around the teacher, not just looking at the teacher itself. Yeah. Because it's so important to, that it's actually transferable if you yes. want to actually experience it. And yeah. um, for me, at a mechanical level, the biggest discovery for me was stillness. Inner, inner silence, like at a mechanical level, because I finally had an alternative to my mind movement, all, all the stuff I was caught up in, and it just created this different context to everything. And um, has, has has stillness played a role in your path? Yeah, it's, that's what it's about. You know, it's, it's it's interesting. You know, I was talking to, I just had a, a weekend gathering of. Uh, uh, teachers in the UK uh, over the practice of the and, yeah and uh, one of the uh, one of the things I was talking to someone about you know over 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 lunch earlier today was just the, the sense the sense that that nothing's really happened you, know, you look at we look at you know the last couple of years or whatever and there's there's a lot going on there's a lot going on but the reality is there's also an experience that's completely untouched and unchanged by any of that. That, you know, you can, you can be aware of what's changing. You can be aware of all the turbulence in the world. You can be aware of what's even within our own awareness. We can be aware of our own thoughts. We can be aware of, you know, all of this stuff. But to have, not to have, because it sounds like it's a possession, but to, to experience that from from the unchanging, from an unchanging just awareness, there's something that's not touched by anything. Never, it's never made more. It's never made less. It's just a constant, and that everything ha- everything happens within within this. You know, it's like a TV screen. You know, you can watch the Disney Channel. You could watch a horror movie. You could watch, you know, sport. The TV screen's the same, you know, and when you switch off the TV, the screen's still there. And it's it's not it's not bigger, it's not less, it's not anything, it's just the screen. You know, it was always there, but we never see it because we're too busy looking at what's changing, what's moving, and you know, and that's the beauty of like a meditative practice is we begin to see we begin to see the screen. Typically we see it as almost like a thing, but right? Oh, there's this. There's the movement, and there's the screen, and there's me watching the screen, and then the screen is the movement, and that that experience can change and you know come and go until ultimately, ultimately we realise there is no me and there is a screen. There's just what is, and even the content on the screen is just it's just stuff, you know. It's just stuff, and 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 that experience then there's there there's even more peace because you're not pulled everywhere. You're, 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 not, you're, you're not manipulated. You're, you know, people can try and ramp up fear and it's like, yeah, whatever, you know, you're, you're because who you are is not defined by what you see. It's not defined by the thoughts in your head. It's not 
defined by what someone else tells you about you. You know, and that's a dance. You know, it's a dance. There's moments for, for all of us where, you know, we maybe forget the screen and we're, we're oh, and then, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, you know, the natural order is restored. You know, there's just peace and there's peace and there's, there's images flickering within peace, mm-hmm. within stillness, within the unchanging, the eternal. It's, it's, it's always, it's, it's always. It's not that it's always there. It's always. <laughs> it's always that it's there. That's so beautiful, Maddie. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to bring this to a close. And I just want to end by sharing, you know, just a couple of takeaways that I've taken from this in the previous chat we had with Ashani about how she overcame the anorexia. At no point when I started this series that I planned for both people so far to turn around and say, I didn't actually do anything to overcome this. I just... Uh, shifted my attention I just returned to being who I really was and I and I realized and that habit was no longer necessary <laughs> now let me do yeah. the small print quickly and say if you have any gambling issues or whatever <laughs> then do seek out help and there, this might not be the solution for everyone but I've just been it generally didn't plan this and it's fascinating that both you and her have said the same thing they just your problems are, are dissolved into into something else uh, bigger and greater and it really feels like it's the true definition of healing. I heard the word of healing means the return to wholeness. And that's what both of you have basically talked about and what you're talking about right now, re- return to the wholeness. Yeah. And one, thing just, one thing just to say, sorry, just as a, on a practical side, if someone is, whether it's gambling or any other addiction, because it can seem like, okay, well, I, you know, my life has been destroyed by my habits right now. That's fine and dandy to talk about this, but, you know, I'm not. I'm tomorrow morning, this, I, I'm the one that's showing up for for my day, mm. not the you know the the one with the halo around the head or whatever. Uh, it's just is to make a. It's, it's, there, there are resources there, you know, and that sense of shame or that sense of I'm, I'm not sure if I can get beyond this is there are so many people who have walked down these paths. It's way more. It's way more prevalent than, than anyone would have, but the important thing is that you just you just take one step. You don't need to know how it's going to end up. That's not important. The only thing that's important is if you feel if you're at that point where, you know, the 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 discomfort of reaching is reaching out is greater than that of you know holding on or the other way around, I should say, then then just just do something. Just just take one step. You know, because what my experience is in many things is you take one step towards wholeness, towards life, is life will take a thousand steps towards you. You know, and and we're never it's never about us. You know, that thing that secret life we think we've got, it's we're way bigger than that. You know, and there are there are lots of people out there that are there to help and have, and have walked down the same down the same path. Beautiful. Thank you. We started talking about the secret shame. You end up talking about the secret life. And I really do feel that when we start talking about the stillness and, and, you know, knowing that you are that, which is always, is really the true secret that really should have been the bestseller a few years ago. That, <laughs> But, uh, but uh, hopefully more and more people will learn to discover it. Thank you so much for your time. I really find it's it very a pleasure. Thank you to everyone. Yeah.
it's been it's been great and thank you for the invitation. Really, I really enjoyed my time with all of them.